The plan that we have this morning for our time in the Word is to, is to break it up into two portions. First, to talk about being thankful as we look back at where we've been this year. And then separately, I'll come back up later and talk about being thankful as we look forward to what lies ahead in 2023. And to that end, just as a, a, a teaser here, I have an announcement to make this morning about where we'll be gathering as a church in 2023, because it's not going to be here. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Well, as you know, Thanksgiving is meant to be the high point of the year, where we get a chance to look back and reflect upon all the blessings that we've received from the hand of the Lord. Now, some of you, as, as Grant already mentioned this morning, remember what it was like last year, right, in 2021, what Thanksgiving looked like, all the wrestling uh, that we did through the hardships of the pandemic and coming out of that. Remember all that craziness that, that we were dealing with? Uh, Grant sort of mentioned it. We were out in the cold, and it was, it was miserable at times, but we got through it together. But here's the thing. Even though we've been inside this year, and we're definitely putting the pandemic in the rearview mirror, this year has also proven to have its very unique challenges. I don't know if you noticed, but our, our nation is still pretty much in a state of chaos out there, and our culture as well. There just seems to be uh, sort of a cloud of division in our nation right now, and uncertainty seems to be hanging over us. And sadly, as I look back in this last year, the American church has not responded very well to this. Many churches shut their doors over the last two years. I don't know if you know that, but many did. Between the pandemic and the fact that folks didn't want to come back to church and then all of the nasty politics that sort of went with that, a lot of bodies just said, we can't endure this, and they closed their doors. Other churches splittered into factions with people aligning not so much on theology anymore, but aligning on political positions. And all of this left a lot of churchgoers feeling anxious and exhausted and filled with grumbling. And as you know, when we get discontent in our hearts and we begin to grumble against the church or grumble against one another, that always chokes out thankfulness. You cannot be a grumbler and be a thankful person at the same time. And the fact is, and statistics have borne this out, professing Christians who in the past have not had to flex their muscles related to enduring much trials, right? We haven't had to, to use those muscles in terms of enduring persecution. Now we have churchgoers struggling to navigate the times that we live in and to do it in a way that is in, in line with biblical principles, which leads me to ask these questions of our body here at Oak Hill. Number one, why is thankfulness such an essential part of the Christian life? Why is thankfulness so essential to your spiritual condition? Number two, how many of us see thankfulness not just as a feeling, but as a spiritual discipline? How many of us see, see thankfulness as a spiritual discipline? Number three, have you ever stopped long enough to analyze what might be preventing you from having a thankful heart in your life? And finally, number four, what are some eternal reasons for rejoicing with great thankfulness no matter what circumstances? come our way. Grab your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. If you're ever looking for a guide to thankfulness, Paul's letter to the Colossian church is a great place to start. Oftentimes we talk about Philippians being the epistle of joy. Colossians is known as the epistle of thankfulness. Now as you're finding your way there, keep in mind where is Paul writing this letter from? He's in a Roman jail. He's awaiting trial. And yet, despite that suffering, and listen, for an apostle like Paul, someone who was used to being on the road all the time, constantly sharing the gospel, nothing could have been more frustrating 
to a man like that than to be locked up in a cell. Yet despite that suffering and despite the fact that he knew as he sat in that jail that there was false teaching going on in the church of Colossae and that that young church was in, in danger by this false teaching. Remember, this is a church that he loved, a church that he planted. Despite his inability now to go to these, these young believers in the Lord and to see them face to face and to teach them sound doctrine, despite all of that, what's amazing about this letter is how much thankfulness comes through it. I'm not sure I would have been as thankful as Paul. He could have easily revealed his frustration in this letter. He could have grumbled out of anger and out of despair, but he found every reason to stay grateful to the Lord. In fact, in just the third verse of Colossians 1, look at verse 3. He makes thankfulness his very first thought in this letter. Essentially, he says, from Paul and Timothy to the saints in Colossae, we give thanks to God, praying for you always. That's the first thing on the top of his on the top of his head, can you imagine And all that he's going through, the first thing is we give thanks to the Lord. Now drop down to verse 9. We're going to look at verses 9 to 12. And what we see in this passage is Paul listing things that he's been praying for in regard to these young believers. Remember, this is a small town in the Lycus Valley of Asia Minor. The gospel has just penetrated this area. These are all young believers, and he's concerned for them. So he goes to the Lord in prayer, and he says, Timothy and I have not ceased to pray for you. Well, for what? Five specific things. And as we go through this list, what you're going to find is a beautiful, beautiful balance between the inside and the outside. What we know on the inside, what we need to do on the outside. Because those two things always go together, right? Verse 9. We pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How does that happen? How do we get that? Only by the Holy Spirit illuminating our minds with the truth of Scripture. That's the only way. You can run around going, I'm going to try to discern God's will. But without the Word, you're going to be wrong. Only through the Spirit illuminating our minds with the truth of Scripture. This is how we develop the mind of Christ. This is how we develop a biblical worldview so that we can respond rightly to the things happening around us. That's number one. Number two, that first one leads to this one, verse 10, so that... You will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. It means walking in what we know to be true because we've been illuminated by the Spirit in the text of Scripture, right? One thing leads to another. We walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. A biblically informed mind leads to a biblically informed way of life. Number three, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, we've been reading a lot about this in John 15 recently, haven't we? Spiritual fruit is produced by abiding in Christ and in his word. And understanding God's will by way of his word is going to lead to that spirit-produced fruit in all the good works that you do. This is God's will for you. We know that. That is certain that that is God's will for you is that you produce much fruit by the spirit. Next one. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Now that's slightly different than what Paul said in verse 9 where he talked about a knowledge of God's will. This one is more personal. This is knowing God. A growing intimate knowledge of who God is by way of study and by way of experience. A knowledge of God. And then verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Listen, as Christians, what do we need when things get tough, when, when times get tumultuous? 
We need steadfastness. We need endurance. Same, that word can be either way, steadfast or enduring. And then we need patience, right, to wait upon the Lord. We found this out in the pandemic. It wasn't over quickly, was it? We needed patience to wait on the Lord. What are you doing, Lord? We'll wait on that. And so as you see there, Paul prays that the Colossian believers will have these character traits in abundance, in abundance, through what? Not by their own strength, right? What does it say? But according to God's glorious kratos, his might, his power. It's a strong word. That's where we get that sense of steadfastness from the Lord. And then the summit of Paul's prayer is right there in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Friends, it's thankfulness that is the thread that runs throughout this entire passage. Thankfulness to God. Why? Because as Paul writes there, because he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. That's why we can always be thankful. Because he's qualified us. Now that verb qualified can be translated made sufficient. God has made us sufficient. Listen, none of those things in that list you can do on your own. It's not going to happen. It's above your pay grade. You don't have that strength. Paul prays that God would make us sufficient by his grace to enjoy all those things. Stepping back now, do you see the dynamic relationship here that Paul's drawing for these saints in Colossae? This idea of knowing, knowing God personally, knowing his will, and also then connecting it with the doing in this passage. So look at that list on the screen. Let's each do our own little inventory as we look back in this past year. How did you do in these five key areas? What kind of growth did you see in these areas? First, in being filled with the knowledge of God's will, with wisdom and understanding. That's going to relate directly to your time in the Word, your discipline and your time in the Word this year. Number two, in walking in a manner that's worthy of God, pleasing Him, right? That flows out of the first one. How was your walk with the Lord? Number three, bearing fruit in your good works. Can you look back and say, look at the fruit that the Spirit produced in and through me this year? What a praise. Then increasing in your personal knowledge of God, that's going to relate directly to your quiet time with him, time spent with him that that you just have to have if you want to know him, time in study, time in experience, praying, being with him. And then lastly, having God strengthen you in your steadfastness, your endurance, and your patience. Is that something you're willing to go through? Are, Are you okay with rejecting microwave Christianity and saying, no, 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 God is strengthening me right now so that I can endure whatever comes next, so that I'll be patient in that process. Now, as you do this, as you remember, realize that looking back is actually a trickier thing than you might know. And you have to hold looking back in sort of a delicate balance. Here's what I mean. There are times in Scripture when God explicitly tells us to remember. You should remember. And then there's other times, Paul in particular says, forgetting what's in the past and pressing forward, right? I move on. And so if we err too heavily on either side of that spectrum, we can find our spiritual condition in jeopardy. Psalm 77, God's people are encouraged to remember the many things that God has done in the past. Look what it says. I will remember the Lord's works. Surely I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. That is a good and healthy thing for us to do. To consistently think back to how God was faithful to past generations how he was faithful to fulfill all of his promises, because how he's acted in the past informs how he's going to act in our lives in both the present and in the future. Now, in the New Testament, believers are exhorted to remember something as well, to remember how 
Christ came to us and saved us, what we once were. Look what it says, Ephesians 2. Remember that at one time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. How important is that concept to producing thankfulness in our hearts? To remember who we once were, spiritually dead in our sins and trespasses, characterized by depravity, having no ability in ourselves to turn to God and be saved. We had no hope at all. We can't forget that. But then, don't leave it there, come to the understanding of how how Christ rescued us from that condition, how God sovereignly turned us around and drew us to himself, how he brought us to life, how he changed our desires and affections so we could turn to him, so that we could love him and worship him. And by doing so, Paul can say, That's who you once were. You should remember that. That's how you formerly walked according to the course of this world. But, Paul says, you were washed, right? You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So remember all that. That is a good and healthy thing. It's actually part of what we talk, when we talk about preaching the gospel to yourself. That's what, that's what that means, right? And it's something we should do daily. Now, there's also pitfalls, So it's good to look back in that sense. There's also pitfalls to this. Let me explain. First, we can find ourselves looking back and looking at all of our spiritual successes and say, look how great I am. It can inflate our ego if we're not careful. We say, look how I've grown this year and thump our chest. Look at how my knowledge has increased. Look at all the service I provided to the church and to others. We can get that way. And actually, sometimes we can get a little resentful that others aren't doing as much as us. But as Paul reminds us through the question I asked earlier, what do you have that you did not receive? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. We just saw this in John 15. Apart from me, Jesus said you can do nothing. If you're not abiding in the vine, you can run, 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 but you're not going to produce spiritual fruit that lasts because it's not produced by the Spirit. So we have to be careful. And looking back at our spiritual growth over the past year, we can err in attributing that growth to ourselves. Rather than giving thanks to the work that the Spirit has done in us. Second thing, the other side of that coin is we can look back on what we would perceive as our spiritual failures and we can let those things drag us down into despair, which is not God's will for your life to be in despair. We look back and say, man, I have wasted this year spiritually. I've done that in my life. I've looked back and said, man, I've wasted this year. I've not overcome the sinful habits in my life, I've been lukewarm, I've been inconsistent. And by the way, that may be true, and it may be a good point of confession to the Lord, maybe admitting to a good friend to say, yeah, I've fallen short in my striving for godliness this year. Confession's good for the soul. But here's what you have to remember as you do that. God hasn't moved from you, not one inch. He's not left you, right? Because this is what we do in our humanness. We begin to say, man, I failed so badly. God must hate me. He must be moving far away from me. No, he's not left you. He's not forsaken. You remain his child and nothing can separate you from his love. The Lord does not desire that we live in despair. What he wants is for us to repent. Admit the failure. Confess it to him. Repent. And then get up and go. Get up and go again, right? Come back to your first love. The prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. So we go back to this beautiful truth, which you should have memorized from Romans 8.1, right? There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Can I get amen? Amen. 
No condemnation, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And if we're cleansed by the blood of Christ, then no judgment remains for our past failures. And because his mercies are new every day, we press forward each day with a clean slate. We confess, we repent, we trust, and we begin to walk with Jesus once again. That's a good truth. It's good to look back, but let us hold those two things in a careful balance so that we don't get out of that balance. Now, looking back, allow me just a few minutes to share just some personal uh, points of thankfulness uh, for me as one of your elders. Um, I am thankful to God for a whole bunch of people who were a part of Oak Hill for a long time but now have moved on to other parts of the country. That's been a hard thing to watch as people flee the, the state of California. <laughs> it's been hard, right? But you know what? They're carrying with them the legacy of what they learned at Oak Hill. And they're taking that to other churches and they're applying that in other relationships. And we praise God for that. We miss them, but they'll always be family to us. I'm thankful to God for how he's added new sheep to the flock. Even some of you here this morning, for those of you who've joined us in membership this past year, we are blessed to call you family. And we, when we use that term family, we mean it. It is not just a label we put down, we mean it. We're excited to see already how quickly some of you are integrating into the body and community groups and serving the church. Thankful to God for rock-solid, steady brothers on our elder team. Uh, you know, as leadership goes, the church goes. There's no question about that. It's just a continued blessing to serve with these guys. It is fun. It is, uh, <laughs> it is uh, never boring. Uh, and we just love being together. And so I am thankful every single day that God has surrounded me with men like that. I'm thankful to God for our hardworking staff and, and folks who don't get paid nearly enough to do the amount of work that they do. Uh, it's just, it's not even close. And yet so many people in this church They'll, they'll, they get a little stipend for something maybe, but they go so far and above beyond because it's never about the paycheck. It's always about the glory of God. It's always about you guys. I'm thankful to God for how he has strengthened us to maintain the type of unity and stability that we've had in our body over the last couple of years, especially through the, the pandemic and all the shenanigans that went with it, right? He has held us together as one. We have not splintered. We have not broken up. And a lot of that has been because of this covenant that we've made with each other to maintain that oneness and unity. I'm thankful to God for the ability to have a place to gather. <laughs> Man, we, we, we took it all for granted, did we not? A building to, to meet in, even though it wasn't ours, we had a place to go to and suddenly we didn't. I'm so thankful to the generosity of masters in allowing us to use this beautiful building. It really has been a blessing. I'm thankful to God for our ministry leaders, and you know who you are. We simply could not function as a church without each one of you. Your commitment to this church blows me away. As a nomadic church that has, has to do everything from scratch, without a church building, without a church office, I am so thankful for the ridiculously strong commitment this church has to setting up and breaking down and doing everything from nothing. <laughs> you guys, every Sunday I walk in here and see it set up, I'm just amazed. And, and, and I've said it before, the book says you cannot do this for 16 years, and yet here we are. That's a praise to God. Lastly, and I could, I could go on for hours, um, I am thankful to God every day for how you guys love each other. And I'll just, we hear about it as elders all the time as we go through our membership role and we talk about what's happening in your lives. We hear all the time about you guys loving one another so well. 
And there's nothing that blesses the heart of a shepherd more to know that the sheep are out there in the pasture loving each other. It's the best thing in the world.